You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Catholic Exchange Podcast. My name is Michael Lichens with you once again, and here I'm happy to introduce Karen Edmondson to all of you listeners out there. Karen, she is a homeschooling mother, so she's a fellow Catholic mom for a lot of you who listen to us. She's the author of four books. The one we'll be talking about today is After Miscarriage. And she's also, her most recent book is Deathbed Conversions, and she, I'm sorry, Deathbed Conversions. She's also written a book on the rosary and Through the Year with Mary. Karen, thank you so much for coming. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you. And as I mentioned, we're mostly speaking about your book, After Miscarriage, uh, which was published a few years ago, and the full title is After Miscarriage, A Catholic Woman's Companion to Healing and Hope. Uh, Karen, can you tell us a little bit about that book and how it came about? Mm-hmm. Um, the book came about um, be, really because of my own experience with miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I had five miscarriages over the years when we were trying to, to start and have our family. Um, and I was I was surprised, I think, every time I was surprised by the the depth of the grief that I felt, the level of grief, how difficult it was to really get through that experience. And um, there were times I thought I was going crazy and that I was taking far too long to get over things and, and those types of things. And, um, you know, over time, as I talked to other women who also went through miscarriages, I realized that I certainly was not alone in any of those feelings. And so I wanted to do whatever I could to share with other women Um just th- those very simple things, those kinds of reassurances, like, you know, you're, you're not going crazy. Um, there's no timetable for grief. We all have to do that in our own way. Um, and also it was important to me to try to share how those losses helped me to um, see a new way of carrying my cross and how spiritual growth can come out of, you know, the worst pain like that and, and how that can actually lead to very beautiful things in your life. While you were going through the five miscarriages, I have uh, several friends who've gone through that process, and it's always really rough. And you mentioned one specific area is that there's a lack of sometimes resources or a lack of finding people who can have the empathy to understand. Mm-hmm. Paths, were there any prayers or anything like that or any works you read that you thought were really helpful for helping you deal with your grief? Well, you know, initially, um, some of the things that I found weren't, they weren't necessarily directed toward someone who'd had a miscarriage. What I, what I found was, um, well, first of all, at, at that time, I mean, this was back when I had my first miscarriages, this was back in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. I had a couple miscarriages before our oldest daughter, who's now 21. Um, there were things out there for miscarriage, but those weren't necessarily as um, helpful to me as just things that addressed the grief. Um, for example, C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, Grief Observed, um, was something I turned to again and again and again because it was, you know, that there's just, he, he shared with us the, the raw grief that he felt after his wife had mm-hmm. died and how, um, and just the many varied things that you go through and the, the, what sometimes seem like insane thoughts that you go through with grief. And so I related mm-hmm. an awful lot more to things like that. Um, than to some of the things that were necessarily, you know, specifically directed um, to people who'd had a miscarriage. So, um, and I was initially, I was not a Catholic um, at the time. I had my first couple miscarriages. Um, then we started our family and had a couple children later on. I was, so I, I also experienced it, you know, through a different lens over the years um, as far as that, as that goes. So. I mentioned 
C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed, which I read after several of my friends passed away and also found it very helpful just to have the rawness and the realization you're not crazy when you're going through grief. Exactly, exactly. You mentioned that uh, going overcoming grief allowed you to have some spiritual growth. Can you talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit? Um, yeah, you know, it was it was such a long journey. And I, I think in some ways, um, when I was writing this book after miscarriage, um, I didn't realize initially that this is what it would become, but it, it did sort of become a chronicle of um, of that spiritual growth over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I The book is made up of a lot of different things. I wanted it to be the kind of resource that you can just pick up and spend a few minutes with if that's what you want to do, you know, or sit down and read in depth. But um, a portion of the book is notes from my own journals over over time, um, as well as sharing stories from other women. Um, there's also a story from a father in there and his experience with miscarriage. Um, poems, quotes, things that were meaningful to me, you know, through through the years and over those times. Um, but it, as I look at my own journal entries, you know, over the course of the book, you, you can kind of see that spiritual growth. And I think what happened at first with my first miscarriages, I was a Christian at that point. I was not yet Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very much in a sort of, you know, why me? And why don't you tell me what's going on, Lord? And just a complete and utter bewilderment that now here I was finally Christian. Um, I'd been an atheist and, you know, in the past and I'd gone through this conversion and here I was finally Christian. I was feeling really mad at God. You know, I just thought, oh, he's Understandable. doing the right thing and this is what I get in return. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some of that initially. Um and then, let's see, I guess it would have been, it was about three years after my second miscarriage that I ended up coming into the Catholic Church. Um, and then about three years, as I'd been a Catholic about three years when I ended up having another miscarriage. Um, and so at that point, I, you know, I was starting to look at things a little differently. I was, I was gaining, I think, a better understanding of the, you know, the beautiful Catholic view of suffering and how suffering... Um, when we unite it with our Lord's suffering, how it, it takes on a new power and a new meaning, you know, and that, and that the Lord can use that in ways that, that we can't see. And so even though I still didn't fully understand, you know, why God was quote unquote doing this to me or letting this happen, um, I think I was growing at that point in my understanding that even though I couldn't see why he was allowing this to happen, that there was a reason and that he would, you know, continue to use this to help draw me closer to him. Amen to that. I, that's an amazing way to deal with it. I have to say I'm impressed. But while you're going through the grief, I know you mentioned that initial stage. And I think everyone who's familiar with grief, know whatever form grief comes to us, we know that initial stage of angry at God and almost asking him, so what are you doing and where are you? And everyone has a way of processing that grief, I know. Was there a way that you kind of worked through that question that you will found satisfactory or was this just a matter of time when people would ask me you know like over time as people would say how are you doing with this that's is that what you mean yes yeah yeah. um yeah you know better at sometimes than others there were times Mm -hmm. i i opened the i opened the book with a um a particular time when it was after uh after one of my first two miscarriages Mm -hmm. and i ran into my husband's um boss's wife in the store and i thought i was doing fine that day and she just looked at me and said, well, hi, how are you? And I just burst into tears, you know, just right there in the the aisle in Target. <laughs> and, you know, just couldn't, just could not control it. 
And um, so there were a lot of times like that. Um, it was that, you know, that level of grief just scared me too. I thought, my gosh, mm -hmm. why can't I hold it in in public? Um, but that's how grief is, you know. Um, and and the, the, the difficulty though with miscarriage so often is that it's a hidden grief, you know. Right. It's my poor, you know, uh, husband's boss's wife didn't even know I'd had a miscarriage. She was simply making small talk. That was a small talk, how are you? It wasn't even a how are you doing with your grief sort of thing. And, you know, here I burst into tears on the poor woman. But that's the reality of, you know, what we're what we go through when we're dealing with grief. Um, and when it's a hidden grief like miscarriage, I think it does become particularly hard because there will be people asking you how you're doing. And sometimes they know nothing. Um, other times, you know, they do know that you've been through something like this. And um, so I would say there just were a lot of ups and downs in how I responded when people asked that sometimes. I would say I was doing okay, and I really was, you know. Um, again, I think that's something we see with grief. There, It ebbs and flows, and you go through harder times and easier times as you as you begin to adjust to life without that person that you loved. Um, and that's just as true with a miscarriage as it is with any loss, that even though you didn't have a chance to see and hold that person, um, you know, we we were loving those babies from the time we found out we were pregnant with them. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's as powerful and as strong a loss um, as any other death. So, um, yeah, definitely I'd say ups and downs over time to how I, I, you know, could or would respond to that question. And that makes perfect sense. Uh, the, you mentioned that miscarriage is oftentimes an invisible grief. Mm -hmm. It's a grief that not everyone can see, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's still the case now? Do you think there are people who are still having to go through it without much support and without people even knowing about it? I do. I think part of that mm -hmm. is, um, you know, everybody has a, a different way of going about announcing their pregnancy. Some people are going to keep it inside and keep it quiet and not share the news until they're past that first trimester, um, precisely because of that what if factor. You know, what if I have a miscarriage? I don't want the whole world knowing I was pregnant and then having to later inform the whole world that we've experienced a loss. So they um, so they keep the news quiet, and, and that's fine. That's certainly one path to take. Um, you know, other times people might want to, um, and especially if you have a history of miscarriage, I reached a point where I wanted to tell friends and family right away that we were pregnant because I wanted to ask for prayers for the most, you know, the current mm -hmm. pregnancy. Um, so, you know, yeah, that did there were times when that ended up putting me in that difficult situation then of having to tell people that we'd gone through a loss. Um, but it also, it also affected some real, um, some really beautiful things. Um, I remember one example where um, we were pregnant and I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen with it, but I had told friends and family um, and we did indeed lose that baby. But one friend of ours, um, his name was Matt and he wrote us a letter after we let them know that we'd lost the baby. And um, what he said was so beautiful. He said um, he thanked us for telling them about the baby and for asking for, for their prayers. And he said, just think about it. He said, your baby's already in heaven. And this little baby was a, an epicenter of prayer for so many of us who rallied around you and prayed for this child. And even though you didn't get to have this child, this child has affected me, he said. And, you know, I was I was just stunned and moved by that. And he, he said, you know, this is the body of Christ in action, and we all got to be a part of this. 
Um, and I was just so moved by that. And I'm tearing up as I tell you that story now. It just, I, um, it was such a beautiful way, I think, to look at it. So I think even though it is scary to tell people that you're pregnant, mm -hmm. especially when you have that history of miscarriage, um, but there can be a lot of beauty in it too. And I can absolutely see that. That's an amazing story in a way I never thought about it before. While you're going through it, some of the later miscarriages where you were telling people, did you find that spiritual help in that community was very helpful for you in yeah. the grieving process? Yes, it really was. It it really was. I really, um, I did feel people's prayers and I did feel their support um, through prayer. Um, also, you know, being vulnerable in that way and having told people when we were then going through a loss, um, there were people coming back to us and treating it as, you know, as the time of grieving that it was. Um that, that I think can be one problem if you haven't told anyone and you are going through a loss without anyone even knowing you were pregnant. Um, you know, you're in this terrible, raw, vulnerable state and nobody even knows why. You're acting as if someone died because somebody did die, but nobody yes. knows that, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember after one of my losses when a friend brought us a meal. You know, she just brought over this whole huge meal and chocolate cake and, and, you know, she was just, she was like, here, I just, I want to feed you, you know, and that's what people do after a death, isn't it? You know, funerals and losses, you know, we, we bring people food. And I, I was so grateful to her because, um, not everybody did look at it that way. You know, there are still, there's always somebody in your life that's going to say something probably really well-intentioned. I know everybody mm -hmm. always has good intentions, but things like, well, it just wasn't meant to be. And, and those kinds of things, um, can be hurtful. You know, those things yes. can be hard to hear. Um, and so when people treat you, when they just embrace you and treat you, you know, as if you're going through uh, the loss of a loved one, because you are, um, you know, then you're very grateful for that. So, um, yeah, I was really grateful that we did open up and that we did ask for those prayers and support, because then when we really needed the support, it was there. And was there anything else though, that you found within the Catholic Church or even within spiritual reading that you found was especially helpful in getting through the grief process? Um a lot of things, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of things. And especially um, kind of comparing it back to, you know, to my earlier days. Um, but one thing I read that was very, very comforting to me, and yeah, it was the words of um, St. John Paul. And um, uh, he had written, and this actually was within, um, I'm trying to remember which encyclical it was, but he actually was addressing um, women who had had abortions. But what he was saying to them was he was telling them not to despair because their children are with the Lord. Um, and when I remember reading those words and thinking that, well, you know, I, that applies to all babies that are lost then, you know, that's, um, uh, it, it applies to all of them. And I can, I can believe that if it's good enough for John Paul, it's good enough for me. If he believes that, um, because you, you do have, I'm going to back up a little bit here, but you know, there sure. are people who still, um, worry about limbo, um, which mm -hmm. is never an official doctrine of the church. We don't have to worry about that at all. But there are people who who will sometimes tell you that or um, or who will worry for you that you didn't have your baby baptized, um, that sort of thing. And we don't have to worry about any of that. Um, that's another thing I really wanted to emphasize in this book is that, you know, the Lord has his ways of taking care of everything. <laughs> um, and and, you know, he gives us sacraments, um, and baptism is a sacrament that, that is for the living. Mm -hmm. Um, but he gives us these sacraments and he makes these rules for us, for the living, because we need to abide by those rules, um, and those sacraments that he's given us. 
but he has his way. He made the rules. He has his way, you know, of working with those um, and around them in cases where he needs to do that. And in the case of a child that was not born and was never baptized, I fully and completely trust in God's goodness, um, you know, and have the belief that that those children are with the Lord. Um, So that's just one little example, I think, of how, you know, how my faith helped me. Um, Turning to Mary um, helped me a lot, asking, you know, the Blessed Mother's prayers and just just turning to her with the simplest prayer, you know, just Mary help me through this day. Um, Knowing that she as a mom experienced everything from utter joy to you know, utter desolation in relationship mm-hmm. to her own child that I just knew that she could understand how I felt. And so certainly my relationship with her, which I would not have had if I had not come into the Catholic Church, um, was enormously helpful to me. Uh, was there a particular prayer, uh, prayer or devotion to Mary that helped you through all this time? Well, the rosary had, you know, became an important prayer to me mm-hmm. pretty early on um, as a Catholic. Um, initially not. Initially um, you mentioned my book, The Rosary, um, yes. earlier. And, uh, yeah, it was something I ended up wanting to write about because, um, it was something mm-hmm. that t- when I first, uh, converted, you know, it was kind of weird to me. <laughs> it was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of foreign and strange and I didn't fully get it. Um, mm-hmm. and it was something that, that grew on me, you know, and that as I, um, as I watched and listened to other Catholics that I knew and people who prayed the rosary, I paid attention to how they, talked about, you know, not only the prayer, but to how they talked about Mary. Um, and I could tell that people really had like a living relationship with her and that, you know, that was so intriguing to me, strange at first, but intriguing. Um, and I just found slowly over time that, you know, a relationship started to develop for me too. I would just turn to her and just say things during the day, <laughs> you know, and start talking to her. Um, so yeah, the, the rosary, um, certainly was one. And I, I had, um, I have a really, it's really a pretty precious memory actually of praying the rosary after one of my losses. I was in the hospital. Um, I'd had to have a DNC surgery, um, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I, I had to have that with every miscarriage. I never seemed to, I never ended up laboring at home and actually, you know, losing the baby physically on my own. Um, but after verifying that the baby was gone, you know, my doctor had done a DNC and I was struggling to come out of the, um, out of the anesthesia. And I remember my husband by my side and my husband at that time was not yet a Catholic. Um, when I had come into the church, he had, he had no interest in becoming Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. and, but he, you know, he was there with me at the hospital and I was just kind of trying to swim to consciousness. And I just remember praying the rosary over and over and alternating between praying the rosary um, and asking Mary to pray for my husband and his conversion and also asking the child that I had lost, um, whom we named, we named her Rachel. And I was asking her to pray for her father's conversion as well. So, so I was alternating between asking of my child that she be with her dad spiritually and pray for him and praying the rosary and just over and over. And I just can remember holding my husband's hand and praying those prayers again and again, kind of swimming in and out of consciousness and, and eventually, of course, you know, coming to and all was well. But um, but it's just a really precious memory of prayer that I have. Um, and it was about, um, well, actually, um, it was later that it was that next year that my husband did end up coming into the Catholic Church. Amazing. 
That might be one of the best stories I've heard in my career in <laughs> podcasting or radio. That's amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, praise God. It was, yeah. like I, said, I mean, it was a beautiful moment and um, we, we both consider ourselves extremely, extremely um, blessed to have come from, from where we did and to, to be where we are now spiritually and, and with our family. I completely understand. As, and as someone who uh, was received into the church as an adult, I found the rosary exactly as you found it. And then over time, it suddenly became, uh, I kind of consider it my rock. It's the eight, yes. whatever. Yeah. When I forget everything else, yeah. that's the prayers I remember. Yes, exactly. And, and isn't that the beauty of rote prayer? You know, that there are yeah. times that, that when you don't even know what else to pray, it's like, I can just, I can say these words and I'm praying, you know, and it's, and it means something. Um, and it, yeah, it's beautiful to turn to in those times. Absolutely. And I want to ask of, for anyone who might be still going through the grief process or just had a miscarriage, do you have any advice for them on what they should be doing first? Of course, picking up your book, I think, is a good idea, <laughs> but, of course, but anything else besides that? I think, um, you know, well, so many things. Um, hopefully, you know, you always have a friend that you can talk to, um, um, that as a couple, you know, that you can talk to each other, that you can share your grief with your husband, Um and I would say don't be surprised by the way that men and women grieve differently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in my case, and I, I've heard it from a lot of other women as well, what happens oftentimes at first is that, um, you know, the, the mother is simply falling apart. You know, we're the ones who went through it physically. And, um, and your husband is there just being the rock for you and, you know, taking care of everything and physically and, and you know, emotionally and spiritually taking care of you. Um, but then, you know, later on, he's going to need his time to break down, too, um, although some men never seem to. Um, and, you know, that's OK. Maybe that's how they deal with their grief. Maybe they need to remain strong on the outside. Um, but, I, you know, I remember, too, just being really grateful when my husband, um, after sort of getting me through that initial time, lent his guard down and was honest with me about how hard it was for him, too, you know, and that it was um, that he was grieving just as much as I was. and. Um, that alone, I think, was really helpful to me that he was that he was willing to share that. Um, I would say, you know, there are a lot of concrete things that we can do to help ourselves heal. Um, one of them for us was naming our babies, um, because, you know, we do believe that these souls um, are in heaven with the Lord and that we're going to see them again someday. You know, I can't I have I have these five babies that I'm going to meet someday and and we're all going to be together. And so. Um, so we wanted to go ahead and name them and, you know, being able to call on them by name, um, ask for their prayers by name um, is a very beautiful and healing thing. Um, you can ask your pastor, um, your priest to um, if he can do a memorial mass is what you can ask for. Um, and we have actually started here in in our parish. There was a, a woman, a friend of mine named Rose, who had a miscarriage. And okay. found um, that there was really nothing. So she in place went to talk with um, Father when she about, went to our priest you know, and what asked, was place in our parish support and help. Could be done to help and he was her like, out. Well, I, you know, I don't realize really that there really wasn't anything in place in our parish. And um, to make a fairly long story short, we ended up starting um, a ministry here that we call the Hannah Ministry to offer support to those who have miscarried. And one of the main things we do is that once a year we offer a memorial mass. Um, um, we call it a Remembrance Mass or a Memorial Mass. Um, and anyone who has lost um, a baby, anyone who's lost a child um, in any way is invited to come. 
and uh, so that we can grieve together and worship together and celebrate the lives of our children together as short as they were. Um, and, you know, it's it's slowly growing, um, but it's something. Mm-hmm. It's something that we put in place. And we, we also put together um, a packet of information um, with resources um, that, so again, it's just something else that when somebody calls the parish and says, you know, what can you do to help me? We have something to hand to them, um, uh, something encouraging and supportive and, and things that let them know things like, you know, what their options are even about, you know, the practical things that you sometimes have to think about, like, can I bury my child? You know, can I call Mm -hmm. a funeral home? What do we do about that? So getting that information together and offering the the mass, um, we're we're really happy with the, you know, where this ministry has started out and where we're going with it. So it's at least something that, that is out there. Okay, great. And what was the name of that ministry that um, offers the memorial you know, mass? Locally, we just are calling ours the Hannah ministry, just after Hannah um, in the Old Testament, who, you know, prayed and longed so much for her son, Samuel, whom she eventually had. Um, but there's also, there's a wonderful national, international organization um, called the Elizabeth Ministry um, that does mm-hmm. that sort of thing, you know, on a huge level. Um, and another option for parishes, you know, or just for, for any local group is to become a chapter of the Elizabeth Ministry. And um, they have a huge array of resources available, um, things that are really helpful. And, and they can be found online. You can just Google those words, Elizabeth Ministry, um, and find them because they offer a lot of great resources and really helpful things as well. Great. And we'll have those links along with your book on CatholicExchange.com when we publish this podcast. Of For uh, folks who are on the local level, what can we do to really encourage our parishes to have options in place, such as to offer a memorial mass and things like that? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, uh, approaching, you know, at, at the parish level, you know, approaching and talking to your priest. Um, oftentimes mm-hmm. what happens is, you know, you'll you'll say to them, you know, what, what do you do for people like this? And that they'll realize themselves that although they've dealt with this and they've had people contact them, that, wow, nobody's ever really thought about what can we do. So, you know, just bringing it up for discussion is the first step. Um, and then oftentimes what can happen from there is that you can go to the diocesan level. Um, we've talked with people at, you know, our archdiocese as well about trying to get um, things like this in place in more parishes. So, you know, the family life office of any diocese might be interested mm-hmm. in, in hearing more from someone. Um, and, you know, anyone who's willing to give a little bit of time. The the three of us women who are on this committee, it really doesn't take very much of our time once we got our resources in place. It's not really something that takes a lot of time. There might be, there's an occasional phone call. You know, we're also, we've offered ourselves to be there um, the three of us women who are on this committee have all experienced losses ourselves. So we've offered, uh, you know, just to be a listening ear. Somebody might call us, but um, it, it's not a terribly time-consuming thing, um, but it's something that can be pretty easy to get in place, both at the parish level um, and, like I said, you know, don't be afraid to just call the Family Life Office and see if they've ever thought of anything like this. Okay, great. Very good advice. And we're wrapping up time just now, but Karen, I wanted to offer you, if you have any encouragement or advice that you can give that I may have left out, please feel free to share it. Oh, okay. Well, um, I would just say um, that for anybody who is, um, you know, going through a miscarriage, um, or if you're on the outside of it, maybe on the other side, and you um, you haven't gone through it, but you know someone who has it, um, if you're going through it, 
I want to offer advice for both of the both sides of that. So let me back up. If you're going okay. through it, I would say, you know, just don't be surprised by how hard it hits you. And mm. just, you know, lean on the Lord and, and trust that he is there with you, even when you have no understanding of why this is happening. Um, it may or may not become clear down the road. But one thing that I've learned through all of my losses is that I can just trust God to take everything that he allows to happen to me. Doesn't mean he sent it to me. Doesn't mean he wants me to feel pain, but he has allowed it. And I've learned to trust that he has allowed it for a reason that will indeed draw me closer to him. So just, you know, hang on to and trust in that when you are going through such a thing. And I'd say for those who are um, trying to support a friend who's been through it, um, one of the best things you can say is a simple, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry you're going through this, and I'm praying for you. And, and you know, leave it at that, you know, or ask them what you can do to help. Or mm-hmm. do any of those things that you would do for anybody who's grieving. You know, take take some food. Offer to babysit the other children if they have other kids. Um, you know, offer to just sit with them. Take them a box of Kleenex. Um, be willing to listen and let them go on and on and on if they want to about that baby that they lost. Um, and don't and just don't try to make it better. I think that's the thing that that the well-intentioned comments are trying to do. It's always trying to make it better, but there's nothing mm-hmm. that's going to make it better for a while. You know, just, right. just be there and be willing to listen and be with your friend. Ah, great advice. Thank you so much, Karen. And for all you dear listeners out there, you can find Karen at Karen Edmondson at KarenEdmondson.com. She's also on Twitter and Facebook. You can find her through the website and as well as her books, where we've talked about today, After Miscarriage, A Catholic Woman's Companion to Healing and Hope. And her latest book is Deathbed Conversions, Finding Faith at the Finish Line. Thank you, Karen, so much for being here. I think many, many listeners will benefit from this, and I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Thanks, and thanks for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. It's our pleasure. And God love you all who are listening out. Have a wonderful week. If you want to find any resources, we'll put them up at CatholicExchange.com. Thank you so much. 